Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. I'm going to ask that we all read this together. It's a short passage this morning. It'll be Psalm 1. So if you guys could just read this with me. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And this is the word of the Lord. Now you may be seated. So begins... Our summer in the Psalms. If I'm really honest with you, I now wish that I would have redone summer and I would have just done summer in Psalm 1. And we could have lived here uh, for 10 weeks without a question. This is a very rich passage of Scripture. So as to not spoil any disappointment... I am going to leave a whole lot of meat on the bone after this sermon for you to go home and and dive into Psalm 1 yourselves. Uh, So there you have it. Um, Now I'm going to read something to you that is not found anywhere in the Psalter, but it will be familiar to your ears. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. But they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of, we know this. It's kind of like a theme here in the United States. So one of the things I did, I thought, well, let's, let's just go to one of the primary resources here. So I Googled. And what I Googled was how to be happy. Now this is an absolute This is a train wreck if you ever Google this, okay? Eight ways to be happy, four ways to be happy, ten scientifically proven ways to be happy, as as if science has any credibility anymore in our culture anyway, but there, there are scientific ways to be happy. Twenty ways. I found 20 ways. Like, I don't even know, I mean, how many ways? Are there some of them were repetitive? Oh, exercise. That'll make you happy. I'm like, that's weird. I know people who exercise every day, they're miserable. Not everybody, I'm just saying. I know I know people who do exercise a lot, they are not happy. Well, what then there was sleep more. You got to get more sleep. Well, I know people who sleep a lot. The reason they're sleeping a lot is because they're not happy. That doesn't seem to be like an answer. One of them's like move close to work. You want to be happy, move closer to work. A lot of people hate their work. They want to move further away. Plan a trip. That's it? We just plan it? Do I get to take it? (laughs) I can plan trips all day. 
Oh, more time with friends and family. Some of you are like, absolutely cuss word, no. <laughs> it's not going to make me happier. So, so we get into Psalm 1. Listen, and I just want to tell some of you have been in church a long time. You've been following Jesus a long time. You're very familiar with Psalm 1. And you're going to hear me teach this. You're going to hear things today that are going to be very familiar probably. And I, what, what I just want to tell you is you have to understand always that there, there, there are people here who have never sat under the teaching of Psalm 1. There are probably people here who have not read Psalm 1 until this morning. So they're gonna, they are going to be hearing a lot of these things for the first time. So I don't even know if I'm going to get through all six of these verses today. I cannot tell you how today's going to go, okay? So you, are you along for the ride? Okay, I'll do my best. So, so blessed is the man. So we see this word. And the, and the word uh, ashray. Ashray is actually the word for blessed, and, and, and quite simply it would mean happy, but not how we think happy. But so, so think, happy is the man, or, or content, and delighted, and joyous is the man, is what this says. Now this word appears 45 times in God's word, and I'll just give you a few examples of what it is that makes you happy. What the Bible would say was, would say, blessed is the man. Now, now, twice it says the man who God corrects is actually blessed. It says the man that, that, that trusts in him is blessed. Now, just, just to be clear, because I know some of you are like, come on, dude. When I say the man, I'm meaning mankind. So, so we can take deep breaths here. That's men and women both. Blessed is he that considers the poor. Oh, there's a way to be happy. If we consider the poor, this is the Bible here. Blessed is the one that fears the Lord and delights in his judgment. Blessed is him that keep his ways. All throughout the Bible, there are ways to be happy, like God tells us. Psalm 32, though, I want to remind all of us in here who passed from death to life. This is a big deal. Psalm 32, 1 and 2 said, Blessed, same word, is the one whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Listen, I, I just preached some serious gospel to you guys. And I know it's early. Do you remember each day that your sins are forgiven? Happy is he whose Listen, God looks at him and says, not guilty. That's awesome. But Psalm 1 actually kind of starts with a little bit of a negative. But before we get into that, i got to talk to you about this. It says, blessed is the man who walks not. Okay, then the sentence after that says, nor stands in the way. So now we have this walk and we have this way. And then you go down to verse 6 and it says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked. Right? So we got this walk and we got this way. And the way is mentioned a few times. Now here we go. I'm just going to tell you this. I will teach this probably verbatim again in the fall with what's coming. Okay? 
Because you, you, we, we have to understand this about the Bible. So throughout the entire Bible, there's a theme that emerges around this idea of a way or a walk or a path or a journey, okay? And it actually becomes a, a bit of a, 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 maybe what you'd say would be a motif, a walk, a way, a journey. And we know, we've heard, we've heard things like life is a journey, you are on a path. You are going away. And there is not a choice for us whether we are going to be going away or not. All of us are going away. No one is just sitting idly back in a, in a neutral non-path. Everybody is going away. No neutral observers are in this room today. So let, let's just talk a little bit about some Old Testament examples, okay? Okay. Genesis chapter 4, this is Cain, right? He's killed his brother. It says, then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. You can go to Genesis chapter 5. It talks about a guy named Enoch. It said, Enoch walked with God. 1 Samuel chapter 8, Samuel's sons did not walk in his ways. 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his, uh, of, of his father. 1 Kings 22, this is talking about King uh, Jehoshaphat, said he walked in all the ways of his father, doing what was right in the sight of God. I'll come back to that one, doing what was right in the sight of God. 2 Kings, this is about Uzziah. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. 2 Kings 22, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he walked in all the ways of David, his father. I was talking about Josiah. So when you see that term, see, a lot of us have been in church a long time, we hear this phrase, right in the eyes of the Lord. But if you look at that word right and you broke it down to its literal meaning, it would mean straight. He did that which was straight in the eyes of the Lord. It's path language. It's way language. And it's all over the Bible. We all go a certain way. We all have a certain walk. We all are on a path or a journey. And here is our reality. Along the path that you are walking, that I am walking, and always before us are presentations of truth and of lies. Always before us on our path are presentations of things that will deceive us or things that will tell us the truth. Keep in mind, you are not neutral. If you think you are neutral, you have been deceived along your path. Does that make sense? Just hang on with me. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Verse 15 and 16 says this, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. So here we go. You're on a path, and you have lies and deceit, or you have the truth. And, and one leads to life, and one leads to death. So these paths are going somewhere. Verse 16, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God and by walking in his ways. 
And by keeping the commandments and his statutes and his rules, and you shall live, there's that life, and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you. Happy is the man. So there's, there, there is the way of the righteous that leads to life, and then there's the way of the wicked that leads to death. You are on one of these ways. You are on one of these paths, and it's all throughout Scripture. This can help you understand Scripture. So you see this, all, I mean, it, it starts in Genesis, so now you come to Psalm, and it's the same language that's been in the Bible leading up to Psalm 1. And then God the Father kind of starts with the negative here. And here's a surefire way to forfeit your happiness. Walk in the counsel of the wicked. Stand in the way of sinners. Sit in the seat with scoffers. It's funny, parents in the room, I, I know this, listen, I know this for a fact. I'm not even going to debate this. The word that parents use more than any other word is no. Like that just, I know young parent, you got these little babies, and I know we're doing this. If just listen, you haven't started, you're about ready to start. No, no. It's like you're going to say no six trillion times a day. And, and listen, God the Father, our Father, has to say no. We say no because we love our kids. Our kids have to hear it from us, and we have to hear it from our Father in heaven as well. And he says, walk not. No. Walk not in the counsel of the wicked. Let's start with that one. Like, we don't just rally up the wicked and put them at a at a, at a a counseling table and say, okay, now counsel me, a wicked one. Counsel me, a wicked one. It's like, we don't do that. We don't, we don't go get counsel from the wicked necessarily on purpose. But we are surrounded. We are bombarded. We are inundated with the counsel of the wicked at every turn. Let me give you some counsel of the wicked. Live your truth. Oh, you got to get out. You got to get away and get you some you time. Hey, you need this to be happy. What's in your wallet? It's counsel of the wicked. Listen, we can't get away from it. It's all around us. And the righteous one knows how to discern the counsel of the wicked. We don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. It's around us, but we don't go that way. So you just got to ask yourself, as, as things come in, as you're getting counsel, maybe from it's a literal person, maybe it's from a screen that you're looking at, maybe, I, I don't know what, but you got to learn to just ask a simple question, is this counsel wicked? And the Holy Spirit can help you discern that. But I got to give you a very, very important point here. And this is big. Some... Counsel of the wicked, if not most, can come 
from between your two ears. Or it may be better said, some wicked counsel, most of the wicked counsel you might receive might come from the six inches between your backbone and your chest. God won't forgive me for that. Hey, you, like you, you pr prayer. Prayer doesn't help anything. Who, who, hey, who are you? Brad, who are you to think you can share the gospel after the life that you've lived? Listen, that's wicked. That's wicked counsel that you can't listen to. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We must learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit when the wicked counsel comes from within us. We do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. We do not stand in the way of sinners. See that language again? That word stand is actually path language. You would stand in a path as you would, or you would stand in a way as you would wait to meet someone there. And then you have this way, nor stand in the way of sinners. It's path language. And it says, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. I could spend more time on both of these. I'm not going to. I just want to let you know that some scholars believe that this first part of Psalm 1 is like, uh, it, it's like steps. You start, with just, uh, you start with just walking in the counsel of the wicked, right? You walk by it. You're kind of around it. And then you stop. And then next thing you know, you're standing in the way of sinners. And then before you know it, you're just plopped down with the scoffers. Talking about how drunk you got last weekend. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But a surefire way to forfeit your happiness is to walk in the counsel of the wicked, is to stand in the way of the sinners, and to sit in the seat of the scoffers. That's not what we do. But what we do do is this in verse 2, is his delight is in the law of the Lord. So let's talk about this word delight. If I delight in something... Like I magnify it, I glorify it, I put a high value on it. It's a treasure to me. Like I know its worth in my life. I know the joy that it brings to me. There's no person on the planet that I delight in more than my wife Jenny. Like I know her value. She brings great joy to me. She's my favorite person to be around. I delight in her. Blesses the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Now the literal word there is, is, is Torah, I think lowercase t, so it's not, but, but here it's not only talking about the books of Moses, it's talking about all of the instruction of God. In other words, so as Danny Mack would say, there are 66 books that we highly recommend. Blessed is the man who delights in the 66 books. 
Because it's in all of those books where we get the law and the instruction of God, and we need to delight in that. We need to, we need to know, we need, we need to magnify it, we need to glorify it, we need to know its value, it needs to have worth to you. And you being here this morning says, yes, it has worth to me. I will get up early, I will put some decent clothes on, I'm going to come and hear the Word of God taught. Because you know the value of this. That's just one reason why Sunday mornings matter. God's word, it needs to be really, really important to you. And on God's word, he meditates day and night. So this word meditate, man, our, our, our culture's kind of jacked this up a little bit. So it's not like, okay, listen, it means, it actually quite literally means to like, to, to murmur, to utter it even can mean to like to grumble or growl. To grumble or growl. Isaiah 31 says, as a lion growls over her prey. The word in Hebrew there that, that Isaiah used is the exact same word that the psalmist used when it says, when it says meditate. So it can be translated. In the Bible, it's the exact same Hebrew word for meditate and for growl. So what am I talking about? Just listen. If you want to close your eyes, just listen. I love this stuff. So listen, we're somewhere in the Psalms. If you want to go buy an incredible resource right here, this is magnificent. It's called Answering God, the Psalms as a Tool for Prayer by Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson is a savage in a great way. I would read what he writes. Here's what he says, and he's talking about Psalm 1. He's talking about this word meditate. A lion over its catch and a person over God's word act similarly. They purr and growl in pleasurable anticipation of taking in what will make them more themselves, strong and swift. Those lions right there, they were taking in, it was a buffalo, they were taking in what will make them more of a lion, what will make them more strong and swift. That's what we do over God's word when we meditate. We're just taking in what makes us more of who we are. We meditate on God's word. And when we do that, verse 3 says, he is like a tree. Isaiah 61 talks about oaks of righteousness. That's us. Oaks of righteousness. There'll be a major contrast to that here in a minute. Like a tree planted by... Okay, go. can you go with me, nature people? This, I love this verse. I want to go to there. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in all that he does, he prospers. Like th this comes right off the heels of delighting in God's word. Listen, if you've passed from death to life, this is very important. 
how you grow in your Christian life is directly related to the taking in of and the absorption of God's word. Did you get that? I'm going to say it one more time. How you grow in your Christian life is directly related to your taking in and your absorption of God's word. So listen, take your eyes to the screen. I, know I got another video. This is awesome. Parents will love this, I'm sure. Watch this. Okay, parents, if you have little bitty ones, that day's coming too. I, I had a video of my son Brody doing this. I could not find it, so I, just, I went with this one, okay? Now, why do I do that? And look, for those of you who know my son Brody, he did this all the time. And you think, is, is anything going into that baby? And, the, and listen, the answer is yes. Like he, that baby wasn't taking in everything that mama was putting in, 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 in her mouth, right? But, but something was getting in. Are you with me? And you can look at that and be like, a baby's going to die. If it does. No, listen, my son Brody is now 11 years old. This dude is going to eat Jenny and I out of house and home. Like, he eats more than you. I'm just telling you, he's 11. Like, he's taking it in. Nothing falls out of his mouth now. And if it does, he picks it back up and he puts it back in. Okay? But think about it like this. I'm teaching you some things here today. And some of it you're not going to be able to take in and digest. But some of it you are. And some of you open up the Bible and you've read God's word and you're delighting in it. But you're like, I have no clue what I'm reading. It's okay. That baby was just, right? But some of it's going to get in. And mama's just going to keep feeding and you just keep eating. And eventually more and more is going to stay in. Eventually you're going to be eating two or three steaks at a dinner. Do you know what I'm saying? But you've got to take it in. And you've got to absorb what you can. And you've got to keep eating. God's word. And all that he does, he prospers. So your heart, guys. This, this means our heart. We're talking about inner, our heart's will thrive in joy and contentment. This also speaks to this, and I've got to ask this question. This is a person who is fulfilling God's purpose for them in their time here on earth. Is that you? Are you fulfilling God's purpose for you? Go to Psalm 37, 7, because this, I know some of you are like, wait a minute here. This seems a little bit off. So here it's like, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way. See that language there? Fret not over the one who's prospering in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. So David, even saw, David himself saw like, wait a minute, you have this evil dude that's walking the evil way and he's like killing it. He's super prospering. What's the problem here? We have, we have to understand when we read it, in all that he does, he will prosper. When we, listen, we are alive in Christ. Amen? 
Okay, Paul said it like this. To live is Christ and to die is gain. We prosper even in death. Do you catch that? And all that we do, even in death, we prosper. Like, like we're in the ultimate win-win if we're following Jesus. We're in the ultimate prosper-prosper. But verse 4 says, the wicked are not so. And again, it's like David's like, wait a minute, but the wicked seem to be prospering. So let's stop before we go any further. Let's talk about, because now we've talked about the wicked a little bit. Well, who, are, who is this? Who, who are the wicked that you're talking about, Brad? And I just want to make this as simple as I can. Anyone apart from Jesus. That's it. So, so then, so if we're talking about wicked counsel, if we're sitting in wicked counsel, if counsel is wicked, that means anything that goes apart from God's word. Any counsel we get that does not line up with God's word is wicked, and any person that is wicked is a person who is apart from Jesus Christ. So what we have to remember before we go any further and that any kind of pride sets in is that those of us who are following Jesus, you and I were, were all once wicked. And now we are righteous. That's not an arrogant statement. Our righteousness pre-Jesus or even anything apart from Jesus that we would think is righteous, the Bible says is filthy rags. Our righteousness is Jesus' righteousness. We are clothed and covered in that righteousness. That's really good news. So when we read the Bible, when it talks about the righteous, it's talking about us. But what it's really talking about is that we are covered by the righteousness of our King, Jesus. There is no room to boast, righteous one. The wicked are just those apart from Jesus. The righteous are those covered in Jesus. We are righteous only because of Jesus. The wicked, it says, are not so. says, remember the path. I want you to remember the path. There's one that leads to life. There's one that leads to death. It says, the wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away. Now this chaff, right, there was wheat, and the thing that, the, the valuable piece of wheat was covered by something that's actually not very valuable at all, and they would, they would shake it or, or, and make sure that the, the valuable wheat came out, and then the chaff was just this hollow, empty thing. That the wind would just blow away. It says the wicked are like that. And we need to know anything that's done apart from Jesus Christ is empty and it's hollow. One himself or herself apart from Jesus Christ is empty and is hollow. The one apart from Jesus will not prosper in death. You need to hear that this morning if you walked in here and you do not know Jesus you will not prosper in death. It'll be a very tragic thing for you to die apart from Jesus. 
Because verse 5 says, The wicked will not stand in the day of judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. In other words, the wicked have nothing to stand on. The righteous will stand with an acquittal. We stand with a pardon. We stand with a not guilty. That's how we can stand in the judgment. The wicked, they do not get this acquittal. They do not get this pardon. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. The way of the wicked will perish. There are two ways. There is not some third option that you are allowed to consider here. There are two ways. And God says this, he knows your way. One of those ways is marked with truth and the other with deceit. One leads to life and the other leads to death. Will you stand with me? There's a way of the wicked that leads to death. There's a way that leads to life. So when you know that the whole Bible sets up this motif, it makes a whole lot of sense when one of the disciples are standing before Jesus and they ask, Hey, how will we know the way? And Jesus goes, well, that's my name. Now, he didn't say it exactly like that. Here's how he said it. I am the way, the truth, the life. It's not that he just showed the way. It's not that just he lived the way. He looked, he looks this morning into our eyes and he says, I am the way. And everybody in the crowds who have known this motif that they've been teaching for thousands and thousands of years, they would have heard Jesus say, I am the way. And a light bulb would go off. And he's still the way. One way is with Jesus, it is Jesus, and one way is without. And he made a way by coming to a cross and giving his life. He was buried, and three days later he rose again. This is the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. And those of us who believe it, we come to a table each week to celebrate this way. If you're serving communion, I'd have you come down now. If you're visiting with us, we receive communion every week on purpose. It's a way that we practice or rehearse the gospel. It orients our hearts. It shapes our love. It shows us the way. If you're new, we have these middle carpeted aisles. We'd ask that you come down these aisles and you'll come out this way. There'll be a station under each light. That's for the front half of the room. We'll have stations in those carpeted aisles for the back half. And then we have one up in the balcony for you all up there. Um, If you need a gluten-free option, we have that down here on the front table. 
we always come to Jesus here at Hill City. And you're going to walk up, and one of your brothers or sisters in Christ are going to tear a piece of bread. It represents the body of the way, torn for us. They will dip it in a cup representing the blood of the way, the truth, and the life. He gave his life so that we could have life. You'll see that the bread will be dripping. Allow that to take you to the cross and thank Jesus. That is the way, it is the truth, and he is the life. Come to the table.